happy Sunday before Thanksgiving. Anybody ready for Thanksgiving? Does anybody got to eat way too much? Come on, just be honest. Confession's good. You know you're going to do it. Go ahead and repent now. It's hard to believe Thanksgiving is here, and it's uh, equally as hard to believe that uh, Christmas is uh, here as well. Uh, we'll be starting our Christmas series next week. Uh, along with that, if you've been around here at all, you know that every Christmas uh, we do uh, a Christmas outreach for our community, and uh, we're doing that again this year. And I would uh, suggest and, and would love if you would take part in that. Uh, we get some uh, names from the Resource Center of children and families who are in need uh, during the Christmas season, and we want to bless them and show them the love of Christ. And you can do that uh, if you want some more information. Uh, immediately following service, Christy Minton will be uh, downstairs uh, in the cafe, and she will give you all the information that you need and, and allow you to be part and to help us be a blessing. That's why we're here, right? To be a blessing? Yeah. Amen. So how many people have already decorated for Christmas? Now, we always usually wait until the, uh, the Friday after Thanksgiving, but 2020 has been so crazy that we decided uh, we might as well go ahead and do it. So we have this cool combination going on at our house, though. The inside's decorated for Christmas. The front door is decorated for Christmas. Uh, but then the fall decorations are still out because we don't want Thanksgiving to get feelings hurt, right? So we're just sort of a, a, a mesh of uh, celebration. Last week we uh, began to, to look at, and, and we thought we'd take a couple of weeks and look at some heroes listed in Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11, uh, it is called the Hall of Faith. And the reason it's called that is because in that passage of Scripture, there is listed a bunch of people who the Bible said had extraordinary faith. And because of that extraordinary faith, they were able to do extraordinary things. And so I began thinking about what would it be like if we could talk to these people? Or what would it be like if we could sit down and have a cup of coffee with these people? What would they tell us? What would they want us to know? Last week we looked at Noah. And how that when he started to build the ark, he was 600 years old. His grandfather was the oldest man ever to live, Methuselah. And when Noah's story started, it started when there was wickedness that had begun to fill the earth. And we thought, what would Noah tell us? What would he want us to know? And I believe that Noah would want us to realize and know that one person can make a difference. One person can make a difference. And the reason that he could tell us that with a surety is because that he had. It was because of Noah that the earth was saved. Today I want to look at another person from Hebrews chapter 11. It's a guy that, that took up about half the book of Genesis. A, a guy named Joseph. Now, if you grew up in Sunday school, you probably remember uh, the story about the guy who had the really cool coat. 
And if you grew up in a Sunday school like I did, uh, you probably remember that that really cool coat looked really nice on the flannel graph. It was colorful. It caught your attention. And some people looking and saying, what's a flannel graph? Uh, just Google it. You'll figure it out. But Joseph was the 11th born son of a guy named Jacob. Jacob was the grandson of Abraham. Joseph was the baby in the family. And whether it was right or not, Jacob loved Joseph more than the rest. Now parents, you know that showing favoritism is not good, right? So we know that he wasn't right to do that, but that's just the way it was. He preferred Joseph over the others. So he made him this coat. The others didn't like it. So there was this sibling rivalry that began to take place. And then Joseph comes to them, and we'll see a little bit later. He comes to them, and he tells them a dream he has had. And he believed that God had spoken to him. So he tells them this dream. But then after that, his life took a completely different turn. And for 23 years, things were completely different than what he had dreamed. And so today, as we go through this message, I want you to, to dedicate it to every person who is here today, who is listening, whose life isn't going like you believe that God has planned it. Whose life is going different than the way you have planned it. You think, I should be going this way. God has me going this way. But you're going in the wrong direction. This is for people who you're ready just basically to check out. You, you've had enough emotionally, spiritually, physically. You're just ready to give in. And I believe that Joseph's message to us would be simply this. Don't give up on your dreams. Don't give up on your dreams. And I really want to emphasize the first three words. Don't give up. Don't give up. All of us have days when we feel like giving up. As I stood down there and watched the computer have a mind of its own this morning, I wanted to give up. I'm sure they did in the sound booth too. All of us have days when we feel like giving up. Now you may be sitting here today and you think, well, I'm not in that season right now. So really, when I told you we were going to talk about not giving up, you've already checked out. You're already trying to figure out uh, where you're going to get take home from. Because you can't go eat. But if that's you today, and you're thinking, well, that's not the season that I'm in, I want to encourage you to listen anyway. Because there's going to come a time that you're going to know and need to know what we're talking about today. Sooner or later, it's going to happen. There are moments in our life when we feel like we cannot go on. And today I'm hoping that by the time we're through, that you'll be encouraged. And by the time that you leave here, that you'll be convinced not to give up. So in Genesis chapter 37, verses 5 through 7, it says, Now Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. 
And he said to them, Hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field. And behold, my sheep arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheep. Now when I read this, I'm thinking, okay, Joseph, your brothers already don't like you. You must not be real bright. Because now you're going to them and telling them, hey, listen, one day you're going to bow down to me. It didn't go over too well. And so they begin to talk about it and talk amongst themselves. They tried to figure out what they were going to do with this arrogant brother. And in verse 19 they said, they said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him. And we will see what becomes of his dreams. They said, here he comes. The big shot. Daddy's favorite. Let's beat him up. Let's kill him. Let's throw him in the pit and then see how big of a guy he is. Let's see how much he really had this dream. Now put yourself in the place of Joseph. Here he is, a guy who, who he gets a dream from God. But from that moment that he received that dream, he headed in the opposite direction for 23 years. 23 years. So I believe that Joseph has earned the right to speak into our lives. I believe that we can look at Joseph's story and learn something. I believe that when we look at Joseph's, Joseph's life and we say he, he would tell us not to give up, I believe we can listen. I believe that, that I'm talking to some people today who you are ready to give up. You are ready just to throw up your hands and walk away. And today I want to, to look at four things that I would tell you. First of all, don't give up on your dream, even if you didn't start off so well. Even if you didn't start off well. You see, I look across this auditorium this morning, and I know a bunch of your stories. And I know that a bunch of your stories, they didn't start off very well. So often we are plagued by not the potential that God has for us, uh, but our past. And you define your potential not by what you see, but what you see in the rearview mirror. So you've lived this life, and God came in. He comes in. He forgives you. He makes you new. He remembers your sins no more. In His mind, they're gone. But the problem is, is you have an accuser. You have an enemy of your soul. The father of all lies. And he begins to whisper in your ear. And he says, you know who you are. You know what you've done in the past. You should just quit. 
and he whispers in your ear, and he tries to keep you from going on. He reminds you of your yesterday. And a lot of people give up the journey not simply because of what they have done in the past. You look at yourself and you say, I'm a messed up person. And I have a messed up history. And the devil keeps reminding you over and over. Well, we often talk about the Apostle Paul and his story. We know that his story didn't start off well. He persecuted Christians. He stood and watched as Stephen was stoned to death. But then God appears to him. He gets converted. He writes two-thirds of the New Testament. He becomes a church planner. And Paul is not the only person in the Bible who has this kind of story. The Bible is filled with stories just like that. And when we read those, we should take it as God communicating with us and to us that regardless of our yesterday, we can do great things for God. Regardless of our yesterday, there's still something for you to do. Something that God wants to use you in. But we have to stop listening to the lies of the enemy. I'm sure that there were times that Paul wanted to give up. Even after he had had this miraculous conversion. I'm sure that there were times that he wanted to quit. But in Philippians he wrote this. He said, forgetting those things that are behind and pressing on toward the goal. He said, I'm forgetting about what I was in my past. In the book of uh, 1 Timothy, he wrote this. He said, I thank him who has given me strength. Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Then verse 13 says this, Though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. Paul said, I was all of these things. I was an accuser. I was a blasphemer. But God still looked at me. And he still called me. And he still used me. He wasn't faithful. But God saw something in him that he couldn't see. And God used him. Secondly, I believe that he would tell us, don't give up. Even if those closest don't support you. Even if those closest don't support you. Even if you're getting rejection from people. Some of you are here today or listening today and you're discouraged because of rejection. You're, you're discouraged because you feel rejected. Can I tell you that Jesus even dealt with this? In Mark chapter 3, He's in a house and he's, he's 
talking and doing miracles and, and, and his own family shows up. And he's there ministering and they come in and say, don't listen to him. He's out of his mind. I mean, people even accused him of being possessed by Beelzebub. That's what they did. It led Jesus to write this, or to say this in chapter 6, verse 3 and 4. They asked him, they said, they asked each other, they said, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. Jesus said, I have honor other places, but I don't have it here. We even read that he didn't do many miracles in his hometown because they rejected him. Joseph experienced this as well. It was those that were closest to him that rejected him. I mean, it's one thing to be hated, but it's a completely different thing to actually be put into slavery. And here Joseph is. Can you imagine how discouraged he must have been? When his own brothers had to... to, to Flip a coin to figure out whether they were just going to sell him or kill him. He was rejected by those closest to him, but he didn't give up. Thirdly, I believe he would tell us, don't give up even if your journey is full of surprises. Even if your journey is full of surprises. How many people like to be surprised? If it's a gift, it's great to be surprised, isn't it? Why is it great when your husband shows up with flowers or just jewelry? It surprises you. Ladies, your husband loves it when you just surprise him with tickets to the game <laughs> or a new TV. But for the most part, when it comes to our lives, most of us, we don't like surprises. Most of us, we, we want to know what's going to happen next. We want to know how it's going to play out. And can I tell you that, that life doesn't work that way? Your life is going to be full of surprises. When you get a dream or a vision or a plan, it will never go from point A to point B in a straight line. It just doesn't work that way. There's going to be zigs and zags, and sometimes it's going to go in the opposite direction. And when I look at the life of Joseph, it happened to him. I mean, let's think about it. 
He was misunderstood by his family. He was sold into slavery. He was living in a, a strange country far from home. Then he was given favor in Potiphar's house. Then he was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. Then he was thrown into prison. Then he was put in charge of all the prisoners. Then the chief cupbearer forgot him. He remained in prison for two years longer. Then he interpreted Pharaoh's dream. He became second in command in all of Egypt. But as we look at all of those things, his life was filled with ups and downs. And if you go looking at them, they were more downs than they were ups. His life was a roller coaster. And your life is going to be the same way. But the question is, what are you going to do in the down moments? You have this and face this dilemma. Are you going to give up? Or are you going to keep going? Are you going to stop? Or are you going to press on? And I talk to you this morning, not just as, as your pastor, but as your friend. I'm telling you, encouraging you, do not give up. Sometimes people ask me, what keeps you going when you feel like giving up? And I think about that question. And I think about what, what happened to Joseph. So I look back at what, at what, and how did he keep going? Well, even in the darkest places, he kept going. He found favor in the sight of God. He knew that God was with him. Paul, same way. He kept going. He didn't give up. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, a very familiar verse of Scripture that we probably have on our refrigerator or a coffee cup. And it's become so common that I think it's easy just to blow right through. But it says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. Now we say that, we quote that. But you know what the, the key to that verse is? The first three words. And we know. Because the problem is, is there are a lot of times in life that we forget. And there's a lot of times in life that we're not really sure that we do know. We have to get back to knowing. And we know. Joseph 
whether he was in the pit, the palace, or the prison, he knew. No matter where you are today, you have to get to the point that you could read Romans 8.28 and truly know that he has a plan and that he has a purpose. Don't give up on your dream. Even if it takes a long time to realize it, don't give up on your dream. Two years in prison was a long time. From the age of 17 to 40, as it was for Joseph, is a long time. But now, 23 years later, he's in Pharaoh's court. He's second in command. He interpreted a dream that Pharaoh had had. And when he had interpreted this dream, he prophesied that there was coming a seven-year famine. And he said, we need to store up grain. Because if we store up grain now, when the famine hits, the other nations are going to come to us to have to buy grain. And because of it, we'll become rich. We're going to make a, a lot of money. You know what happened? Just what Joseph had prophesied. Just like that is how it happened. And Pharaoh put him in charge of everything. Now that's the good part of the story. That's one of the ups. But the question is, is not what you do in those moments. That was not the question in Joseph's moment. Uh, the question was, what did he do in the middle when he was cleaning up the, the slop of a prisoner? That's what the question is in our life. What do we do in those moments that we're doing everything we can do to know that God's with us and that He's working? But back to chapter 2, verse 3. This is not a refrigerator verse, if you ask me. But it says, But these things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair. For these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. Now, if I'm reading that verse... What jumps out at me is the word slowly, steadily. And I begin to think about that. Think, what is God trying to tell me? I believe that God is more interested in our character than our comfort. Amen. He's more interested in our character than us being comfortable. And I believe Joseph would say, hang in there. Hang in there. Keep going. He has a plan. A few things that I believe that, that Joseph would tell us before we finish our cup of coffee would be just that. Focus on what happens in you, not to you. Amen. You see, God is working on our character inside us. 
And what we are going through is what God is using to facilitate that work that He's doing. I believe that we have a role in how fast that it goes away. And the role is, it depends on how fast we learn. God's going to keep working on your character. If you need patience, and every time something happens, you blow up, it's probably going to keep happening. He's working in you. But you know what we focus on? We focus on what's happening to us and not in us. You know how I know that? Because when we pray, you know what we pray? God, make this go away. God, make it stop. You know what we should be praying? God, what do you want me to learn in this? What do you want me to learn through this? What are you trying to teach me? 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. It says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while. If necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes through this test by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It says you're going through things, but you're going through them for a reason and for a purpose. You're being tested. Your faith is being tested. What will you do? James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. It says, Count it all joys, my brothers, when you meet trials in various, of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. When was the last time something happened to you and you threw up your hands and said, thank you, Jesus? It's not the natural thing to do. So when I read this, I think, there has to be something to it. Count it all joy. Your faith is being tested. He wants to see what you're made of. Focus on what's going on in you, not around you. When something happens, it's so easy to get mad at people. It's so easy to blame someone else. Instead of saying, God, what is it that you're wanting me to learn? You see, our response when things happen determines our future. Joseph has the chance to get back at his brothers. Because well, here's what happens. Just what he said would happen. They come to Egypt to buy grain. And he's there. And he recognizes them. They don't recognize him. Joseph knows who they are. At one snap of the finger, at one command, he could have wiped them out. But he didn't. He could have took that offense that had happened to him. He could have took the chance to get revenge. But he didn't. And many of us get derailed because of resentment. 
We get thrown off track because of the offense of people. So here he is. And Joseph reveals himself to them. You know what their first response was? Don't kill us. They knew what they deserved. They knew that he had the power to do it. You know what Joseph's response to them was? It's found in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. And Joseph said, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive. Amen. Joseph, in that moment, if he would have allowed revenge and his circumstances to control his life, they would have never got to that moment. But he revealed himself, and then in that moment, that thing that he had dreamed 23 years earlier, it came to fruition. He was standing up tall. They were bowing down to him. I believe Joseph would encourage us, don't let resentment control your life, our lives. Because resentment will destroy your journey. The last thing that I believe Joseph would want us to know is that every dream has tough times, but remember, God is always with you. They're going to be tough times, but God is always with you with you. Joseph had to live that. He had to walk in that. He had to know that. And the reason I emphasize that this morning is because I know that there are times that it doesn't feel like it. I know that there are times that we begin to question, God, where are you? God, what are you doing? God, do you see me? God, do you know what I'm going through? We're going to have those moments. There's going to be moments in your life that, that you get down to pray and it feels like that it's getting stopped just right here. You might not feel it. But He's there. He's there. In Psalm chapter 139, verses 8 through 10. David wrote this. He said, If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed and shield, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the utter, uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. Here's David. God had a plan for his life. He had been anointed to be king. Man, it didn't go from point A to point B, did it? 
There are times that he was actually literally running for his life. The king saw But David was able to write, no matter where I go, you're with me. No matter what I'm going through, you're with me. I want to ask you just to close your eyes. I have about four more verses I want to read. But I want you just to just take a deep breath. Ask the Holy Spirit to whisper these to your soul. Psalm chapter 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength. An ever-present help in trouble. Isaiah 43, 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, it will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 8. He said, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 19. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares God says it, He means it. He's with you. No matter what you're going through, He's with you. No matter how bad you want to give up, He says, don't give up. The situation may seem nothing but chaos but God's in control if you're here this morning and you say pastor I'm in the middle of something that I just I don't understand pastor there's mornings that I get up that I'm thinking what's the use If I'm being honest, there are days that I simply want to give up, to quit. God sees you right where you are. And if you hear this this morning and that's you, just slip up your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God has designed today just for you. That's how much He loves you. That's how much He cares. 
He wants you to know. That he's there. That he sees you. That he's in control. Anyone else? I'm going to ask everybody to stand right where you are. So as Nick begins to sing, I want to tell you that this altar is open. If you want to come and pray, I can promise you that there will be people that will pray with you, that will stand with you, that will believe with you. And in the moments when you are low, they'll be there to remind you when we're in the middle of a situation we can't see but for what's in front of us we can't see the big picture but God has put people around you that want to help you and say hey I know it looks bad but we know I know it looks bad but I'm going to walk with you so if you want to pray you want prayer while they sing this I'm going to encourage you just to come to this altar, to stand, to kneel, or whatever you feel comfortable doing. But don't leave here
right now. He's good. You are Thank you.